Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours. This is episode 5 with the wonderful Adam Garcia. My name is Grant Spanier and I'm joined by... Vince Kochi, we're your hosts. We are the hosts. Do you like how I do that little upward inflection there? It, it's yeah, a cue. Yeah, I like that. It's a cue. Let's keep that. Yeah, it's a pro tip for all you want to be podcasters out there. You need the cues. What do we talk about today, Vince, with Adam Garcia, who is the owner and operator of the Pressure Creative Studio in Oregon, Portland? And an awesome all-around creative son of a gun. We talked about personal journeys on this episode, and we viewed it through the lens of our guest Adam Garcia's personal journey, which was a really great conversation. It was sometimes challenging, always interesting, and just, I don't know, man. He had a lot of cool anecdotes to share and a lot of cool stories to relay to us, and I think it was it was a good conversation, don't you agree? I agree. We took the ride with Mr. Adam uh, on the PJs, right? The personal journeys. Personal journeys. Um, and this is exciting. This is an exciting episode. It's a first for 10,000 Hours on a couple of levels. One is uh, we'd like to, you know, thank our very first sponsor, Harvest, uh, the time tracking tool I use every day, which is why we're partnering up with these guys because I use their product and I believe in them and they are awesome. Vince, they you really know, are. You, you, you've heard me just spout about these guys. Beaming. Uh, yeah. And rightfully so, by right. the way. It was a, it's honestly an awesome product. It's basically uh, time tracking, invoicing. I use it for managing budgets, uh, client projects, working with freelancers. Just run it all through there. It makes it so painless. I send when you invoices. talk about smarter ways to have processes mm. to to get projects done. Like this is the epitome. This product is the epitome. Of yeah, that. no, it genuinely is. It's we talk a lot on here about productivity and about uh, working smarter and saving time and like freeing up our minds to do the things we want to do. And a thing I don't want to do is dealing with project budgets and invoices. And this just gets it out of the way. Beautiful interface. You can use it on your iPhone, on Android. Oh, Tracking yeah. time from anywhere. It keeps you accountable. It, it bills your clients for the correct amount of time. It's just awesome, man. I go. I just, I just can't. I can't sign up about it. to be working with them. It's just great. Very excited. And so, uh, especially for the 10,000 Hours listeners, if you go to getharvest.com and use the promo code 10K, that's 10K, Three digits, three letters. That's like very nice. Um, you get very a free easy. It's so wow. I, w- I would suggest to people um, try it out. Definitely try it out, and especially if you if you bill someone for anything, like go get Harvest and just try it for a month. And if you don't like it, then you know stop using it. Yeah. And the second exciting thing about this episode is that it is the first episode that has gone analog. It's gone to print and. Uh, when this goes live, Green Room uh, Magazine, which is now fully printed, I've seen the first uh, first issue, and it's, it's fucking beautiful, man. I'm so excited. It really excited. is. Oh, it looks man. awesome. Um, it's uh, it's going to be out, and we did a feature with Adam, and we highlighted some of his work in there, and man, just so excited to see this thing, see this thing in print. A very cool step. So I would say, you I, know, I'm really excited. any of the listeners, go check out Green Room. Um, pick one up, greenroommagazine.com. Pretty awesome. And it's a project I've been working on for a while. We kickstarted it. I know I've referenced it a ton in the cast. And it's, <laughs> uh, it's a really beautiful thing that I'm proud of. So please, go, go get one. 
check it out and check out this episode with the indomitable Adam Garcia. And if you like it, which I hope you will, uh, you can read more in Green Room. You can. Vince, that was a great word of the day. Hey, man, you bring out the best in me. Oh, man. And you're the best. So boom, boom. Enjoy. A girl that that brings you quiche is a keeper. The quiche to a man's heart is through his stomach, isn't that what they say? That was clever. They do. Stomach. 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 That sounded sounded like was that Russian <laughs> or Jewish? <laughs> All right, well Jewish isn't a language, so So today our guest is Mr. Adam Garcia who currently runs, he's the owner-operator uh, of The Pressure, a creative studio in Portland that does beautiful, beautiful design work and, and actually work of, of different creative um, outlets, mediums, per se. What, would you, what other sort of work do you guys do besides just, I guess, design work, Adam? Oh, man. Well, that was great. I'm still reeling from the great information. <laughs> well, that was pretty <laughs> oh, basic. No, we do, uh... I <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Do you want me to do it again? We can do another intro. No, no, man. That was great. Oh no, I wasn't mm. being sarcastic. That was it's hard to read. It's hard to um, read over the podcast wavelengths. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We do. We do kind of. We. I know. I know. It's. Um, you know, you're supposed to pick a, <laughs> uh, pick a specificity and go for it, a specific uh-huh. thing that you do, uh, and we kind of do all we can to do as much as possible mm-hmm. and embrace it with an attitude and an ethos and hopefully a kind of, uh, you know, aesthetic and excitement and enthusiasm that gets people wanting, you know, wanting and excited to do work with us as well. So uh, I don't know, we, the, the multidisciplinary term is kind of a, a, a dead horse term. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we, you know, we call ourselves a multidisciplinary creative studio, keep it nice and broad. And then hopefully when people go to this site um, or people start to get familiar with the work, they will get a sense of the breadth. Um, in general, I'd say there's a kind of enthusiasm and aesthetic and, you know, ethos behind it uh, that uh, that kind of wraps it all up uh, under the, the pressure rubric per se. But I think... Um, as far as the kind of work that we've done, the kind of work that we want to do, it's as much as possible. I think really it all comes down to a kind of thinking and an approach, and that enables us to um, do a lot of different work. Yeah. Uh, speaking of speaking of multidisciplinary work, uh, what have you been working on this week? Oh, this week. That's a great question, Vince. Yeah, thanks. Um, <clears throat> um, so... The beginning of February, you know, we were, you know, we've done, we've officially been the pressure. So I've been doing this since like 2006 when I was in school, but I've always had other jobs and kind of done the pressure as a loose, ambiguous, uh, dumb studio <laughs> name on the, uh, you know, outside of work as a, as a kind of secondary gig, uh, just because of my love for making, I mm-hmm. guess. And then as of about two years ago, I officially left to do this full time. And, um, 
you know, hired a couple people. So, so I'm an, uh, you know, an employee. His name is Ryan Bush. He's great. He's he started as a designer and does more video and photo. And then recently hired uh, a good friend of mine, Anton Pearson, who was an MCAT grad that was in New York for a year, and kind of um, thought he might be interested in something else. So we brought him out here to work full time, and um, it's it's basically the three of us and all of our collaborators and friends. So. In the last two years, uh, done a lot of different work, and we've kind of been so busy that we've never really done, you know, any client outreach or new mm-hmm. business development or focused on the positioning and kind of next dimensional what the studio should be. So I've been actually turning down quite hey, a bit of work beginning of February. That's a good yes, <laughs> yeah. So that so that we can focus on this next step, and we've done a lot of personal work, just kind of. You know, this contemplative, like, introspective time for the mm-hmm. studio where yeah. I can put Ryan and Anton on a project and then I can go and just write and draw and figure out what we need to be next, mm-hmm. um, which is really important. It's kind of outside of a business plan. It's like, it's a weird developmental phase. And um, so this week, you know, uh, we're working on some print promo stuff that, that Anton's been kind of primarily doing based on the work that I've already done. And it's beautiful. Um, we also throw, yeah, yeah, just putting together some like really fun, you know, fun promo stuff that we can get out there. Oh, and awesome. working with Ryan on um, promo videos for the studio, like how can we develop really interesting, compelling content that isn't necessarily like uh, interviews or maker videos about the studio, but is just cool pieces of art that is video based mm-hmm. that we can maybe create in a series and put out and uh ties back in a thematic way to the studio's kind of foundation um and you know we're working on some stuff for nike and um there's this design fair in la called the parachute market mm-hmm. and a friend of mine nancy Wu from nike moved to la and um kind of hooked hooked us up with this gig where we're creating some promotional material for their design fair which is going to be awesome oh, that's great um, yeah, a lot of lot of different stuff, but it's all pretty fun. I'll, I'll look some of that stuff up. I'll throw that in the show notes if uh, people want to learn some more, either about Ryan Anton or the parachute market. I know. And I, I great. Yeah, and I would I would say uh, if you're listening, go go check out thepressure.org, org, uh, which is your studio and a repository of that work, and it's it's some stunning stuff. I think it's a good really cool. uh, pair with with uh, the podcast. I would say go look at that just to get some context for, for Mr. Garcia here. Get distracted. Uh, stop yeah, listening to the, the show. Seriously. Go, I, go do stuff. that. Go do that instead. <laughs> Better um, use of your time. Vinny, what, uh, what are you putting your time into right now? Yeah, this week I've been on a kind of a cool project. Uh, hey. Got in touch through a friend of mine, and there's this woman in Chicago who has a really cool small business startup. It's, uh, it's to help people deal with their own mortality when it's oh. for after you uh after you pass you uh leave this for your friends and family and it's kind of just like a quick how-to checklist of documents and next steps for like making sure you know things wrap up nice and cleanly uh yeah and uh mm, that's yeah, awesome it's a, it's a cool service and they have a really kind of like positive tongue-in-cheek outlook which you would not expect from a business like this it's really yeah. great Cool to work with people who have like a, a sense of self awareness, and they need a name for their project. So uh, Ooh, that's naming. Oh, that's naming is great. It's great We've worked thing. on some naming projects together, Vince. We yeah. have, and it was always a blast. And yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of that work. Yeah. Um, 
When when you say it was always a blast, did you mean that you always named the company? Yeah, that was always a suggestion, at least. I mean, you know, especially when you've done multiple naming projects, you have a few that you might go back to, and a blast was the one we were always pitching. Nobody was biting. (laughs) It's like fill. It's like filler lines and freestyle rap. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 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 Was that is that a company name you've suggested? Filler lines and freestyle rap. That seems like a good one. No, I know. I know. know, know. Can I borrow that, Adam? Well, that name? Yeah, it's yours. <laughs> Throw yeah. TM on it quick, well, you, and then you're done. you're good. Shoot you an invoice. Oh yeah, an invoice. Oh great, <laughs> from the pressure. So, I, hey Vince, can I ask yeah. you a question about that Please project? Do. Yeah. Sounds really interesting. So, so um, I mean, I love that when you think, you know, I know in the last time that we talked, we discussed ideas of value a lot, and uh, <laughs> I mean, it, this stuff all comes down to you know, life, meaning, service to others, mortality. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, like we don't die. No matter what. Yeah, I think I think the idea of creating creating something um, based around death is really really fascinating. So how do you how do you communicate? Like, how are you actually approaching that project? Yeah, I mean, it's been kind of kind of wild. You never really encounter this sort of thing in uh, in your day to day advertising work. At least I don't. Uh, I've just I've just been trying to like keep in mind what the benefit to these people are, and it's like the person doesn't even want to necessarily confront their own mortality when they're investing in this product. What they want is something akin to life insurance, like just the peace of mind knowing that your family is going to be cool. Like if even if you're not there to take care of them, they're going to be all right. And so mm-hmm. that sort of protective knowing smiling sort of like vibe is what i've been going for at least personally but it's not an easy it's definitely not an easy thing to talk about i think it's important and as we as we dig into the topic now um let's give some context we actually recorded once before and it was a lovely lovely episode it was a great episode we bonded we got into the issues yeah um we had some technical difficulties we don't have to get into the specifics we we funked up. We funked up. Um, but we're good now, and we're round two, and I think it's going to be even better. What do right, you think, Adam? Adam? It's going to be better, right, Adam? <laughs> never never better. Yes. On that um, note. Yeah, do you want to talk about a little bit about the topic? Yeah, let's jump right in. Uh, so, Adam, you especially have what I think Grant and I would agree on is an amazing backstory and a really great journey for a lot of different reasons. And I think – as a creative, our journeys really do inform our work now and our future work and just the way we tackle things. So this week we're talking about journeys and how they influence the work we do. And what I'd like, and maybe Grant, you can weigh on this too, is sure. Adam, if you can just like take us back and tell us how you got to where you are and that'll kind of frame the discussion. Yeah, cool. No, um, yeah, I think I think journeys are incredibly important, man. It's all process, you know. It's like uh, um, we're always in the middle, which is really really exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing that, I don't know, and I think that's kind of an approach that I've always taken too. And I think it's very much from where I've grown up. This idea that um, if you look forward to what's going to happen, and that there's going to be surprises and things that are unexpected in your future, and you embrace it all with a great attitude, then um, it's easy to look forward to tomorrow. Um, I think that's kind of a general 
journey outlook that I have. That's always been instilled in me from you know from my mom and from friends growing up. But uh, yeah, I grew up I grew up in Minnesota and um, yeah uh, yeah I grew up grew up in southeastern Minnesota. I was an only child. Grew up with a single mother. We were pretty poor, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Food stamps and all oh, that yeah. good stuff. And then um, she uh, she decided to go back to school. So um, she 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 went back to school for biochemistry while we were still in. Uh, still in Rochester, and then she got accepted at the U of M. We jumped around a lot, constantly moved around, um, and she ended up getting accepted at the U of M, so we moved up to the Twin Cities, where I went to Cooper Robbinsdale High School for a little bit, and then bounced over to Roseville for a little bit. And uh, while there, specifically living in St. Paul and going to Roseville, um, I met and kind of became open to uh, what is the the, the Minneapolis, the Twin Cities kind of hip-hop scene. So, you know, meeting first off, like, I remember going to the Hip-Hop Olympics in 97, I think, or 98. I think it was 97, maybe 96. But going to the first Hip-Hop Olympics at the whole and seeing, you know, Felipe and seeing Daylight and seeing Angel, guys who ended up becoming my crew a couple years mm-hmm. later um, for the first time and uh, just being exposed, you know, met Sean for the first time. And I shouldn't say met watch them from afar, not understanding, you know, mouth agape, just watching this thing literally underground, you know, it's at the hole, the U of M. Standing in the background, knowing that I wanted to be a part of it, but didn't quite know what it was. And, you know, I was kind of into hip hop already, just from the mm-hmm. music, but I had no idea that this thing existed nearby. So I basically dove in headfirst, like, to, to the culture uh, in, in Minnesota like dancing first off sort of popping really hard getting videos meeting people in my you know area so like the guys uh kid persia and this kid puyan and uh because it ended up being my crew ill effects which later on we ended up getting absorbed into uh battle cats which is a pretty legendary minnesota uh, minneapolis st paul hip-hop uh sorry b-boy crew popping crew um and then through that, kind of, we, we started this thing called Hip Hop Union at our high school, which was every Tuesday and Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. And we'd bring in turntables and we'd, we'd watch, you know, Beat Street and Style Wars and Wild Style. And I'd, I'd make little wow. quizzes about the history of hip hop. It is so nerdy. That's, you know, and, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's nerdy. <laughs> no, but, good, man. You know, nerdy we, is good. We were trying to, we were trying to be like, you know, in the Zulu Nation and yes. just like really got into that foundation of of hip-hop culture studying and doing the research and kids would come up from the middle school um i don't know if you know benzilla and uh dj tata and like these dudes that now are just killer like you know they were they were coming up to the hip-hop union and they ended up kind of becoming like (laughs) the kids that when we were in high school we were bringing up and ended up becoming really good Mm -hmm. friends but at the time you know it would also be people from st paul so it's when we first met dj abilities and we met idea they oh, would come and break and rest dj in peace, and rap and awesome dude i said rest in peace yeah. oh yeah man it's yeah uh yeah so you know all all those guys these you know dj anton when i first met anton they would come and we were all kind of in rival graffiti crews <laughs> and uh awesome. those were like really yeah I mean, the they streets, were goofy, man. but really really formative moments for us and uh you know, especially being at Roseville High School, which is just a suburb. You know, we're living in St. Paul, but we'd go to Sunday night dance party every Sunday, right. and you know, get in places, sneak in places to so that we could watch 
everyone perform mm -hmm. and um yeah those were the seeds so, and that yeah. ended up that ended up turning into um us being dancers and battle cats and uh rhyme sayers would put us on and let us travel around the midwest so we would travel and kind of open for them and do the first sound set wednesdays back in 97 and 98 and then um start throwing this is really long no, yeah, honey, but I think, our, okay. our lives are long <laughs> <ended>. <laughs> yeah um our lives are long ended. um i'm putting that on a t-shirt yeah, but those i'll sell it to you all right, go on, go on. <laughs> I'll sell it to you. Um, no, but I mean, seeing that stuff very much, seeing that DIY mentality of things, you know, seeing the rhyme sayers and seeing people throw their own shows and eventually going on, like we did the pasta bar, uh, Lowing Pasta Bar Hip Hop for two years from 2002 to 2004, every Monday. Um, it's where I first met DJ Espada, who I ended up becoming best friends with. And, you know, again, Anton, Aaron Money being able to bring in performers. Ali, uh, Brother Ali, and High Respects and Unknown yes. Prophets did the very first night, uh, which was like February 6, 2002. How do you know that? Um, well, it was, it was my baby. Yeah, was my wow. Show. So that's, that's how that's I know. That's a specific day. Yeah, that that's awesome. great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, it might, I know it was sometime early February. No. But, uh, um, so, so at this point, you're, yeah, you're, in, the, you're in college. Like, so you were in high school, clearly getting diving deep into the hip-hop stuff and that whole scene. And then where were you in – were you in college at this point now or – Yeah, yeah. No, so so in like 98 I, – I graduated in 1998. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my mom was like, you either have to go to school or I'm kicking you out of the house. <laughs> there you and go. I was like, I'm going to take – I was like, I'm going to take some time off. So I ended up having to leave and get, you know, get an apartment with some friends. And uh, ended up going to the Art Institute on and off for a couple of years where um, I didn't know that design – uh, was exactly what I wanted to do yet because I don't think I understood what it was. I knew that I wanted to do something artistically that I could make a profession out of and keep doing what I wanted to do, which is being involved with the community and doing things with music. And, um, you know, I, I guess I didn't know because I wanted to do so much stuff that was encapsulated. I didn't want to just do one thing. So I went there on and off and ended up leaving after about two years before I got my degree and then took time off, went to the U of M for a little bit, and then went back to, uh, went back to MCAD where I had to start all wow. over and went to MCAD starting in 2003. So in the, you know, the pasta bar era was 2002, 2004, right in the middle of it. I was excited about everything because the show was fun and I felt like I was involved and I felt like I was really a part and I think I just had this kind of energy where I wanted to go back and didn't have any help. I don't think my mom, my mom had had a, uh, had a stroke in 2002 and um, she, you know, she wasn't helping at all. So it was, it was kind of a huge risk. Mm -hmm. Like it's an expensive school, yeah. got a couple scholarships, but um, you know, took a huge risk and I was like, this is something I want to do. And I think that I'll be doing it for the rest of my life. Wow. So Dude, that's uh, great. yeah, I went back to school, graduated 2006 and uh Started working at Rhyme Sayers right out the gate as the art director there. Right on. Uh, and, and still working with them. Those are very, very good homies of mine. I'm um, doing sound set this year as well. We're working on it this week. Um, yeah, I think I've, I've seen – I saw the sound set stuff you did last year, which was beautiful. That sort of uh, like Cinema 4D like style modeled stuff, right? Stuff, right? Uh, no, that was, oh, uh, that no. was just – that was actually something that was kind of rejected. Oh. Like I pitched it, and they, they were they were like, "No, we're not feeling it." But then City was, Pages hit me up and said, yeah. "Yeah, City Pages was like, hey, we'd love you to do a cover." They wanted, they were like, "We'd love you to do this cover that just looks like, you know, kind of like a gig poster, like screen printed." 
And I was like, well, we could do that, but what if we did something <laughs> totally different? And then I, I showed them a first pass at the, the 3D characters, and they were like, they, it took some convincing, but I think, I think they liked the vibe of it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was cool. I was all about that. Oh, yeah, thanks. Good personality. Okay, so you graduate in 2006, and then you start working at Rhymesayers, um, and then what? Uh, yeah, worked at worked at RSE for for a little bit, which was really really amazing. Uh, again, like these dudes, you know, they're like mentors. You know, Sadiq and Sky, who's a good friend and also look up to a lot. He's just a really sharp cat. Um, Jay Bird, who's a tour manager, um, and of course all the artists. Just being around being around people that are driven in this again this like DIY environment. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's indie. It's making a path for yourself. It's um, I guess having faith, but in yourself, but being critical enough to understand the risks that come along mm-hmm. with it and the compromise and sacrifices that you mm-hmm. need to make uh, from a business perspective, as well as I guess a familial and personal perspective. Just like starting a business, like it's a business, no matter how creative yeah. it is. You and then you hire people, and now you're supporting other people. It's it's things that I I kind of saw there. That's pressure. Um, I mean, from, from yeah, a personal absolutely. standpoint, I even think about that. It's like when someone else's uh, paycheck or someone else is, is re- relying on you, that's... becomes man, real. It's kind of like parenthood and on a much, much smaller scale, but I get, I feel like that's a taste of it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like being responsible for another human's livelihood, Oof. sure. Damn. <laughs> Make <Yeah>. you sweat. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But, um, no, but, I mean, yeah, I, I absolutely loved it there. It was incredibly fast-paced. The thing, the thing was, for me... Um, it was a dream job, like to go and work at a place like Rhymesayers, where music was my life, and I, I really thought that, um, I really believed that what they were doing was a thing that was great. Like when you're putting out music that you believe mm-hmm. in, and you have a generally good message, no matter what the language is, yeah. you know, whether using swear words or not, like when it's something that inspires someone else. Like, to me, that's good. And to be a, a designer there helping shape a visual identity or helping, uh, you know, communicate and add value to the experience, to me, I felt like I was doing good work. Like, the idea of what good mm-hmm. work is, that good work that has value and meaning in other people's lives. Like, to help shape an experience for another person through that music, um, to me, was very rewarding. The problem was that um, they never had had a designer before. I was incredible, you know, incredibly fresh. Yeah. I'd only been... I'd been doing design for a couple of years, but never had real experience besides at Noiseland, um, never inside of a structure like that, and I needed more experience. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought that I would, I could help them better if I wasn't there. Like if, you know, if 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 I was if I went elsewhere and got more experience, and then I'd probably be able to come oh, back and, and do better. Sounds work. like sounds like dating, sort of, right? It's like. <laughs> you start dating someone too early on. You're like, I need to go out and I need to explore. It's going to be better for the both of us. Yeah, and I, I kind of think it has been. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, they're going to do their thing no matter what. Like, they're good. Yeah, sure. Sadiq's great. Sky's like their whole team. Every artist there knows what they want, and they're going to be fine no matter what. And uh, and then it's cool when I get to go out and they work with a lot of designers. But like for Sunset. It's always great because I work pretty much with Sky and Alex over there, and we talk. We always talk about how it's going to develop, and uh, we've created an interesting system that's still growing. There's a lot of there's a lot of room, a lot of things that we need to do, 
Um, the distance thing is a little tough sometimes, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't be able to do it if I haven't gone down this other yeah. path, you yeah. know? Totally. That's cool. awesome. So it very much, at least when you painted that picture for us, you're obsessed with music, t totally into the hip-hop scene, dream job, like you said, and was that the thing that led you away? Was that you needed to go get more experience? And I guess, how, how did that go down? Where did you go next? Um, I'd say it was 50-50 between... I wanted to go somewhere that was more like... I was getting really into the idea of branding, like um, what I meant to develop or create a comprehensive kind of visual or experience for a company, a person. I'd gotten, gotten into it through music and through musicians and then realized that I needed more experience on a larger level. So I started looking into agencies around the United States that did more, um, you know, more high-level branding work. So I looked at JDK in Vermont in Burlington, which worked with, you know, companies like Burton and Xbox, but it was in Burlington, Vermont, and I didn't know if I wanted to be in Burlington. Sure. And I is that where the at, Coke factory um, is? Quick aside. Uh, yeah, I have okay. no idea. Sorry, I had to ask. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's great. And then uh, I looked at Mode in Chicago, which yeah. was primarily a motion graphics company. They ended up uh, offering me a job, and I didn't do it. I didn't go because I went to 160 over 90 in Philly, guys do great which work. is awesome. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah, I'll put those guys in the show notes, um, yeah. The guys at Mode ended up, the year that I didn't take the job, ended up doing the Obama campaign. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so, yeah, I was kind of kicking myself, but 160 was so yeah. great. Yeah, they really um, are. Going there. There were a couple MCAD alumni that were there uh, that I was – kind of friends with i was only there for two years but the the amount of work that we did and um we did a ton of stuff for for a lot of different clients and it was one of these places where it was like 50 people so um and they grew while i was mm -hmm. there but it, it was kind of this place where it wasn't too large that you feel like you're just a cog yeah. you know like i feel like i left and i made an impression there and they definitely made an impression on me, and we still do work that's together. Great. So that's kind of the best situation you could ever imagine. When I'm that really honest. is a big win. And, and yeah, it was fantastic. And they, you know, taught me how to talk to clients and put a presentation together, and com you know, communicate myself professionally, and uh, you know, learn industry jargon that you have to <laughs> yeah. learn, whether you use it or not. You you have to Speak know the it language, yeah. just so that you can communicate. Yeah, Dude, it's, it's so that, true. Like code switching, you know. <laughs> so true. Um, and then, yeah. uh, and then I left there and got recruited from uh, Nike to go work at Nike Sportswear. Mm -hmm. And I was either going to go from Philly to New York, because I had a lot of friends that were moving to New York. Uh, a lot of my best friends had gone there. Or I was going to go back to Minneapolis and try to do my thing. And then I got a random call from, from uh, Beaverton, Oregon. <laughs> and, I've, and I was never a big, f I mean, not a, never a big fan of Nike, but I was never really interested in the brands per sure. se. Like, uh, sort of. Yeah, but uh, but but as a huge design-driven company that takes really good care of their employees, and to live in Portland, which I heard was a great mm -hmm. place, and go and see what's up, and like follow this weird path that was laid out in front of me, I was like, why not? So I moved out here four years ago, worked at Nike for a little over two years, and a couple different jobs while I was there. Uh, ended up in starting doing shoe design. Um, in Nike Sportswear, working on some really fun projects and learning about product, which is totally different, like especially through the Nike lens, just like this, learning about how to design product and the product development cycle through Nike's lens. It was probably one of the illest experiences ever. And then 
after a little bit, I was like, you know what, I do love this, but the process is so different than what I know. Like when you're working on a shoe, you're working on it for anywhere from three months to 18 Whoa. months. And Whoa. you're working on one thing. And, and that's very hard for someone like me who needs to knock. I need to put stuff yeah. out there. Like I need to generate constantly. <laughs> um, so I ended up moving over into Nike Global Brand Design and working on the London Olympics and uh, Digital Sport where we worked on like the Nike Fuel Band and helped actually write communication around the Fuel Band, design the packaging, um, very, very which is cool. really, really challenging and fun. Funny yeah. enough, we, uh, we, were, we were doing a packaging project out of here uh, not too long ago, and we pulled the Fuel Band packaging as like one of our inspiration pieces. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. I mean, uh, the, what we liked about it was the it's kind of got that matte feel. It's simple, it's intuitive, but also it feels designed enough. Like it feels like it's very purposeful. It's just a nice nice unboxing process and yeah. So well done. Yeah, that satin satin coating. Yeah. Yep. There it is. <laughs> Good work, man. <laughs> yeah. You know what you know what you know what the problem I mean the the challenge with with that thing is, you know, at Nike you learn Nike has a huge audience, yeah. right? And and when you, you know what Nike kind of uh, embodies is, of course, the pinnacle athlete because that's the apex of their demographic. But you, anyone in a mall can buy a pair of Nikes and feel like they're part of that story, you know. So to to kind of negotiate on that scale between the pinnacle consumer and between this huge broad demographic of everybody <laughs> is. And in, I mean, first of all, it's a great market to have, which is everybody. Yeah, that is a pretty lucrative and market. <laughs> it's Everything. a very lucrative market. <laughs> yeah, but the, the problem gets to, you know, when you're creating something like a Nike Fuel Band and you're trying to create a brand new, uh, it's this brand new idea. There's been a couple iterations of it, of yeah. course, and like whatever Fitbit and, you know, like the Jawbone oh, Up yeah. thing that came out right when Fuel, Fuel Band was launching. Sure. Like there are things that kind of exist, but it's not commonplace yet. The Fuel Band made the idea of that kind of everyday tracking and information, they kind of made that popular. So how do you take a currency like Nike Fuel, which is a proprietary currency of energy, and make it understandable yeah. to everybody upon first glance? Like, they don't have to read a textbook. You read three little points, mm-hmm. and you know, get it. Right. And that was that was the challenge. Like, what? how do you make an image? Like, we had to create the image on the front of the box. What should it be? Yeah. Dude. Should it be the band and a person? Should it be people running? Like, how do you explain this shit? And we did hundreds and hundreds of iterations of what this thing Man. should look like. And um, it ended up being really simple. And hopefully the communication in a simple manner got got it across. Worked for, worked for me, man. Yeah, ditto. You just distill. But you're a designer. That's the thing. Is like, You know what I mean? Like, you guys are sharp. Uh-huh. How do you sell it to an aunt? Not, nothing against aunts. How do you sell it to someone in you know Byron, Minnesota? that's at a mall that doesn't quite know so, what it does and you want them to walk by and pick it up. That's thing is, thing shit. is, um, you, you call it sharp. Thank you. That was kind of you. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and totally, totally <laughs> wrong, man. And actually now I kind of lost a little bit of respect for you because you think we're sharp. Like what's wrong? No, uh, I bought, I actually bought a fuel band, um, after seeing Casey Neatstat's video. Are you familiar with that one? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So if anyone from Nike's yeah. listening, like, Keep doing those partnerships because that one hooked me. I, I saw that video and I went, "Yep," and <laughs> instant instantly ordered it. Click buy, but the, the, ship it. The thing is, the thing is, man, 
the packaging, the product, the whole experience of it was intuitive and obvious. And I know we're, I'm a designer, right? So I'm like really focused on that. But it was to the point where it's like it was so distilled down. I was able to explain that to my parents very easily. Like it does this. This cool. is what it is. And they understood it. You know, and it is a new product, especially for people who were born in the 60s. You know what I mean? Like yeah. for us as like digital natives per se, we get it quicker. But I think, you know, that's a, that was a good example of like something that it was effective communication, which is really a lot of what we're doing, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's all we're doing. Yeah, yeah and don't get me wrong. I mean, I want a huge shout out to the hundreds of other human beings at Nike that developed the product itself and went through yeah. round and round of iteration on that thing and, you know, all the other agencies all over the sure. world that were developing the website and developing the interface. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was... There was a ton of force behind that. Oh, thing. I imagine, yeah. man. Yeah, I think it was that RGA. Maybe you guys worked with. Yeah, yeah I saw R- that case RGA, study. Yeah. That was a good case study. It was really. Yeah, I mean, yeah. oh, I mean, Fuel Band didn't that that won like a titanium can lion, right? The whole project, yeah, like that's pretty big. Yeah, yeah, huh. pretty high praise. Titan, <laughs> titanium can lion. <laughs> man, yeah, we right. we can only dream, right? <laughs> My life would be yeah. so complete if only. <laughs> sounds like okay. a spaceship. I just I just want like. Yeah, it'd be cool, like, walking into your apartment, and there's just a huge, it's like an eight-foot-tall titanium lion. You're like, yeah, lion. man. <laughs> just, is that what they, is that what they, they give you that, right? Out? If you win. Yeah, and it, trans, it transforms. It's like, a, it comes alive. You can ride it around town. <laughs> yeah. That's so accurate. I'll put that in the show notes. I don't know what it'll be, but maybe it'll just be a, a picture of a lion, a metal lion. Either way, hey, maybe we'll mock up Garcia sitting on a lion. We got to get a good image of you. If you could send, if you could send a photo of yourself, um, isolated, preferably. Also, uh, a photo of a giant <laughs> titanium lion. We're gonna need. Yeah, that yeah get both well. of those, and you also riding it. I don't want to do too much post work <laughs> here. Um, hey, okay. Great. Can I yeah. jump in? Can I jump Please, right in here? Vince, get in. This has been. First of all, the story's been great. I've been enthralled, and I can't wait to you know hear kind of the conclusion. Even right. though <laughs> we're, so we're always in the middle, right? There's no conclusion. But uh, I think right now would be an awesome time for an off-topic topic. And we're talking about, like, athletics and shoes and Nike. And it's got me thinking about this off-topic topic, like, kicks, our shoes, and what they say Ooh. about us. Like, Ooh. I feel like this is fertile ground, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I would love to hear what Mr. Garcia wears on his feet day in, day out, because I think we could glean something from it. And you designed some pretty badass shoes. That's right. I mean, like the – what were they? The Yeezys? You designed some Yeezys, didn't you? I worked on the team that okay, designed okay, the Yeezys okay, and okay, did, okay. did kind of some yeah, of the graphic yeah, direction yeah. on it, yeah. That's cool. Um, the Yeezy 2s, for those that don't know, Show notes it. Are, are some shoes that a rapper named Kanye West worked on with Nike, which he will not be working on anymore because he's now part of Adidas. No, no hate. I don't work at Nike anymore. No hate. I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Kanye. Um, no, he did the Yeezy ones a couple years ago and did the Yeezy twos. And the project was about a year and a half in development. And because I was in sportswear, um, I worked with my buddy Nate Van Hook and our creative director Andreas Harlow with uh, Kanye's team um, on what they were. And you know, because I wasn't designing at that point, I wasn't yet designing product per se i was doing kind of graphic direction and storytelling between color graphics and materials for specific products so i would work with product designers like uh nate van hook who's amazing you should check him out as well um and he's a really good friend of mine out here so he's the one that actually would sit and draw the patterns out and 
um, you know, work on the shape and work on the structure. And that thing also went through just dozens and dozens and dozens of versions, some of which I wish we could share because they were just beautiful and weird and, and so bizarre, like things that you see and they're, they're just like works of art. Whereas I think the way it ended up is a little more palatable and marketable. I don't, that seems to be necessarily scenario, right? Yeah, I mean, what do you think when you're working with a groundbreaking creative like, you know, Kanye? I did that in air quotes. You can't see my air quotes. <laughs> we can feel them, I could though. feel I'm them. Doing yeah, I could feel them. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, you'd, you'd think that you'd think that the, I guess, the shape, the silhouette would come out a little different than the first ones, a little different. But, um, yeah. uh, you know, that's what happens with the design process. But the, the cool thing was that when we started – you know, he he gave us this insane mood board, which was actually really cool. Yeah. Like his mood board was great. I know it was him and his whole team that put it together, but it was it was a great mood board. What, what and I was stuff? like, oh yeah, I could do that all what day. Sort of stuff was it? Oh man, from, yeah. um, you know, one page would be like a pair of beautiful jewel high heels, and the next page would be uh, Tutankhamun sarcophagus, and the next page would be not not joking you, like like um uh. A stegosaurus <laughs> yes. um and the next page would be a you know the the hearst diamond skull and then it would oh, be what? uh and then it would be like uh, an image of a crocodile cut up into 50 pieces on, and there's man. blood all over i'm so not wild. joking i swear so well it's pretty obvious how you came to the conclusions you did <laughs> with right. that sort of inspiration the intersection <laughs> really of all of those influences so at that point. <laughs> that's that's what you i mean i realize that's what i want yeah. i want to I don't want a mood board. I don't want someone showing me like, "Hey, here's here's a shirt that we want to yeah. make," and they show you a bunch of other shirts. Like that's bullshit. I yes. want to see. Here's a oh, shirt yeah. I want to make. Here's a picture of a stealth bomber. Here's a picture of, you know, Charlie Chaplin from nineteen. Give me a stealth here's, Charlie uh, Chaplin. Here's a picture of an alien. <laughs> How fun is that's that though? Awesome. That's when you get to pull out. I, that's where you get creative. Yeah. That's where you get things that are feel original. New combinations, man. Dude. Yeah, we talk about this idea of analogy a lot. Like, you know, what are the like when you're working with a business, when you're working with, uh, when you're working with a company that's doing fucking candles, and if they're only looking at other candle companies for inspiration to reference, it's going to be dumb. Carbon copy bullshit. When they're looking at, yeah, yeah, when they're looking at analogous companies, you know, when they're like, it's like Umpqua Bank. Um, I was recently reading what is it? It was called Glimmer. Mm-hmm. Um, here, I'm going to look it up real quick. The J-Lo. No, do you know the book? Oh, no, wait. Mariah Carey. <laughs> yeah. oh, nah, not that, I'm guessing. Hey, P.S. This is great. Uh, we still haven't heard about your goddamn shoes, Garcia. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> what are you wearing right sorry. now? We'll just touch it real quick. What kicks are you rocking? Yo. Okay, hold on. Yeah, right now. Okay, we'll come back yes. to Glimmer. We're coming back to Glimmer. <laughs> We're putting a pin in it. We're not going to lose it. So, uh, this is another story about God these shoes. God damn it, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give it to Perfect. us. So right now, right now, I'm right now I'm wearing an ill pair of Minnetonka moccasin house yes. shoes. Yes, the, hey, Minnesota represent <laughs> Minnetonka. Minnetonka mocks are they're out of Minnetonka, right? That's right, they are. Oh, boom. Here's why. Please. Here's why. I'm excited. Three weeks ago, um, three weeks ago for the Winter X Games in Aspen, Colorado, uh, Target hit me up and. Um, so the, they didn't hit me up three 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 weeks ago, yeah. but uh, uh, the end of last year they said that they're putting together a gallery show in Aspen, Colorado, around the X Games to help launch uh, a new product of theirs. That's this beautiful American-made uh, story product story called called Greatland, which they're bringing back. 
and they were going to get 10 different artists from all over the U.S. Um, to come together. So it's like Mike Perry and Aidy Goodrich and Annie Oku, who's from Yeah, she does beautiful work. And, uh, I almost worked on a project with her, actually. Yeah, she's the homie. Went to school with her. And, uh, um, you know, Jeff McFetridge and Julia Rothman and Mikey Burton and uh, uh, just all these all these great artists um, and and we got to go to and do put some work up in this gallery and they brought us out to Aspen for four days and every night they have this thing called the Target Chalet where a bunch of athletes go and hang out and they kind of have after parties and our friend Paper Tiger from Doomtree who lives in New York was there um, DJing and every night we go to the chalet and you have to take your shoes off and they give you a pair of minutes wow, to talk yeah, about so cool. and yeah, and they let you keep them so. Speaking of Paper Tiger, that's though, trip, trip Hop, I would say go look up Trip Hop. I love Trip Hop. His little, like, 22-minute mixes he was doing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Nice. Went to school with him as well. Jeez. Man, that's crazy. Hey, can, well. That's a great guess, that was a great kick story, by the way. That's exactly what I was looking for. That was pretty <laughs> that was good. I, I'm so going to give you some point. credit there. Vinny, what are you rocking right now? What are on your feet? Well, I'm in socks, but I just. Come on. I, you propose kicks as an off-topic topic? You're wearing socks? I know. But I was just rocking Blasting. a pair of, like. Sorely, sorely salt damaged Clarks that have just been through hell and back. I gotta say, I've seen them. Oh, they're not even they leather just, anymore. They're just like they're white. Soldiers. Like, they are salt. poor little soldiers, but you know what? They make a fine MF and shoe Clarks. They're just like really durable. That's what I like. I like utilitarian kicks. And uh, yeah. So they're, I'm looking at them. They, they just need to be put to death. They're like begging me for death. But I'm like, you gotta wait out this winter, boys. Man. <laughs> You're rough. I'm I'm just uh, rocking some boots. Some I believe it's like Field and Stream. I mean, nice. I aspire to get some some like longer term Red Wings or something. You know, at some point. Yeah. But, um. You know, I'm not, I'm not maybe not there yet. Uh. But those are great, man. I've had these. They go through anything, and they don't. It's just like that's what I'm talking about. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. There are trade offs, though. On one hand, I pretty much wear the same boots like every day, and I can do whatever the hell I want in them. Like I could go through any sort of substance, and they're fine. You don't even see it, lava but, but it takes me like 10 minutes to lace them up every time I want to like take them on or off. Yes. So it's like, there are trade-offs, you know? Sacrifices. Yeah. Dude. It's worth it. It's so yeah, worth it. It is. It totally is. I need to get some moxins. You know, my, uh, my winter Portland go-to has been a pair of black Wolverine thousand mile boots Ooh. with, with, with the rubber resole, because you have yep. to, and then the left lace. My, my girl uh, works at Nike as well. And she's a project manager there, and she brought home this huge tub of, like, Nike shoelaces. Yeah. So so my left boot is this super bright, um, like, fluorescent yellow polka dot. It's safari print. <laughs> yes. uh, it's, like, black and black and yellow lace, but then the right one's black. It's my... It's my Your party it's my, lace, man. Yeah, represent my... Where I represent my individual. Man, look at you. Creative. You're so creative, <laughs> man. Look at you. I really do like that. I love it. I'm so proud. I don't proud. wear the same socks ever, partly out of laziness. Partly it's like, you know what? Keeps things fresh. You you whip mm-hmm. you whip the shoes off. Maybe you're at a party. You're at a house or whatever. People are like, hey, you don't have the same socks on. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. And I roll my eyes. You're like, yeah, like, what? I wear the same socks because I want to look like somewhat composed and professional in my day-to-day life. So... <laughs> So this guy Warren Berger, Berger, I think it's Berger, uh, B-E-R-G-E-R, and he put a Maybe. book out called Glimmer, and then um, that book ended up, he had to rename it, and it ended up being called 
CAD monkeys, dinosaur babies, and T-shaped people, how design, thinking, can blah, 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 creativity, innovate. It's a very long title. But it was first called Glimmer. And it was designed... Hold on. He started with Glimmer and ended up with like a four-sentence title? Was it like an act of rebellion? Yeah. Because he couldn't use Glimmer? I have no... Probably. Um, So, yeah, it came out in 2009. It's about innovative design thinking, transforming business the way we live. Um, But... He does a series of case studies on businesses and kind of the process of how they came to be interesting and distinctive. And one of the things he talks about is this Portland-based company called, uh, it's a bank called Umpqua, U-M-P-Q-U-A. And um, they worked with, um, oh, what's the name of the company out here? Sorry, sorry, I forgot. But they work with this Portland company out here. The hell is Umpqua? Yeah. Uh, It's it's a Native American name. Um, Yeah. But what they did was they they wanted to um, they wanted to create you know a bank that kind of rebelled from the traditional huge banking ideas of the mid two thousands. Like, how do you make a bank that doesn't feel like this faceless autocratic company where you walk in and there's people behind desks and they don't want you to be there and it's cold and lifeless? And yeah. um, they very much from the ground up were like, how do we how do we make a new idea for a bank? So they. They looked at community centers, they looked at coffee shops, they looked at record stores, they looked at these analogous businesses that had the kind of qualities that they wanted to help form their own company. And that always stuck with me, that idea of like the yeah. the analogous and what that means. And uh, I think that was really important. And they ended up creating a really cool banking experience that, you know, they support local art and local artists. So you can go into this bank oh, cool. and they're playing music from local artists and you can buy the That's CDs cool. there. It's and, an indie. It's like an indie bank. It's like it's an indie bank. It's designed well. Everyone, the service is fantastic. It's. Um, oh, I love it. Uh, Dude, yeah, cool. it's it's pretty cool. Have to look into that. That what what really you awesome. said was an important thing too. Uh, we talking about analogous, like finding things to, that you are like to sort of shape your direction. I think that's a helpful thing mm-hmm. for yeah. people um, in any sort of venture, especially when you're starting a business, some sort of startup or a project or whatever. It's like, okay, well, what are we more like? And, you know, I actually found, um, like, I did that project with Seth Godin over the summer. And an exercise we did was, like, looking at our thing through a bunch of different lenses. And actually what helped shape us the most was by starting with what aren't we. Like, if you don't – if you can't figure out exactly what you are, like – put pick two axes and figure out what you aren't so okay we're not like this thing okay how far away from it are we and then you start to figure out what you're actually closer to by figuring about what you're furthest from it's it's an interesting exercise i think to just get things moving sometimes absolutely yeah it reminds me of uh you know pat hanlon have you heard of uh, Pat? He's great. He put a book out called primal branding in the early 2000s oh yes i actually i've read that i've read it yeah, Pat's a friend. I've done some work with him, and he, oh, cool. he also lived in Minneapolis. Um, but in Primal Branding, he talks about these kind of very, you know, foundational human ideas when it comes to, like, the icon, the sacred word, um, the idea of, um, you know, uh, these, these ideas that he, kind of resonate in humanity anthropologically throughout history. Like and like yeah. Yeah, and he kind of relates them to branding and gives a, gives these case studies. And one of the things that he he talks about is the idea of the pagan, which is exactly that. Like, the pagan is the person that doesn't believe what you believe. I mean, that's exactly what you're talking about. Like, what is the antithesis of what you are? What don't you want to be? That will help tell you who you are. And um, maybe it's a little pejorative 
uh, in that aspect, but I think sure. it, it definitely helps. Yeah. Cool. All right. So <laughs> that was great. Should we? Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, oh, we. Well, yeah, I was just thinking like back. I let's like I kind of want to get some um, some closure on like we're like part way through the story. Yes, you're at Nike um, as a, as your your journey, your background. Yeah, so you're at Nike. How long you been there? And you're ready to leave. And, and then I guess was then what was the next step? Yeah, you did some awesome work. You high five some people. You hung out with Yeezy. You and Kanye become best friends. I think that's how it went. And then, <laughs> uh, and and then uh, and then I, um, you know, after after a while in global brand design, it was just it it was just this insane learning experience, and um, it was a lot, a lot, a lot of work. And which which I'm all about. However, what it was doing was it was totally taking all of my time away from other work that I wanted to do, which, you know, was like I'm living in Portland. And part of the reason I moved out here was for, you know, I had friends out here like, you know, Keegan Wankman, who's also from he's from Wisconsin. And then I met him at the Art Institute in Minneapolis and he runs a letterpress company out here called Keegan Megan. Um, uh. And he runs his own company. My friend Kate Bingham and Bert, who's an amazing. Hey! Oh my God! Sorry, yeah. I just saw her her drawing the other day. It was like eight years, right? Eight eight years, yeah. Daily drawing. Oh awesome. my God! Yeah, Kate's, that is commitment. Kate's kind of a mentor as well, and um, she's the one who, you know, I told her that I was interested in teaching, and she said, "Well, start teaching." So, um, you know, she she kind of helps run the the program out here at Portland State University, and I've been teaching for three quarters now and I'm about to do my fourth and it's because of people like her and you know will bryant who i've been friends with since oh, the mid 2000s i love his stuff man he's got such a fun illustrative style like absolutely God. yeah yeah i mean will k always with honor are out here um you know there's there's just so many so yeah, many great really designers is. what a hub man what a hub of like talent and it seems like just cool people like it seems like all those people i don't know them personally or you but like even in our conversations it's pretty obvious like you're a cool dude like a lot of down to earth super talented motherfuckers out in portland i think so yeah i think i think you have to be i mean i i think the idea of i don't know if it's always the case but we choose to surround ourselves with like-minded people that are different and i think that 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 kind of outlook and that kind of attitude is is what brings you together is what connects you and then there's all these like beautiful differences like i could never do what kate's doing she's she's a monster in a good way i could never do what will's doing Mm -hmm. he's fantastic in his own way you know like Mm -hmm. um yeah it's like superheroes it's like everyone out here is really really sweet for the most part as far as the design people i'm kind of talking about you know all uh the Tyler Nelson, always with honor. The guys from Olmec, Gco. Um, there's just the list goes on and on. Uh, oh, yeah. The guys, you know, Josh and Colby at Jolby and friends. I love their stuff too. God, yeah. I, this is funny because I feel like now I'm realizing like I follow all of these people and all yeah. their work. And it, is that original manufacturing co right? Yeah, yeah. And then Jolby and friends, those guys do such cool stuff. Absolutely, they sure do. Yeah, I had dinner with them on uh, on oh, Friday. Great. This is man, it's great. Vince, we gotta get Let's we go. gotta go to Portland, man. I'll buy a plane ticket today. We'll we'll let you know, Adam. We're coming out. I there. assume Please you'll host do. Us. Yeah, more than merrier. 
We, I would, I, I would, we absolutely. <laughs> you put yeah, that on him. I like sure. that. Yeah, Plus, aggressive. That was aggressive, man. <laughs> so you're surrounded with all these Roof. amazing people, and you're not having the time to like do the the personal stuff that you wanted to do, right? Yeah, yeah, and um, and I, you know, the thing is, like, this is a very saturated design community. Like, everyone that here's a creative. There's a lot of designers. Um, a lot of them are great. A lot of them come from other places and transplant here. You know, none of the people that I talked about just now are from here. Um, yeah. I think that I don't know if Jeremy Pelly might be from from OMFG Co. I'm not sure, and Fritz uh, from OMFG might be. But um, the thing is, everyone has their own kind of jurisdiction, and you know what I mean. Like the people that are doing the illustrative, yeah, yeah the people that are doing the work that Kate's doing aren't necessarily doing these large environmental projects that OMFG might be doing, aren't doing the work that Always With Honor might be doing, so there's room for everybody still. And because everyone, I mean, like, those people are good, their clients aren't necessarily all from the same hub either. So, Mm -hmm. you you know, like, for us, we make sure that we have Portland clients that we want to work with, that we can interface with, but we're not jacking them from our friends. Sure, we're trying yeah. to find our own niche and we're trying to make work that's different. Like we're not, there's a lot of people that make heritage Americana branding work and, and we can do that. We're more interested in maybe a different kind of work that yeah. is a little uh, more challenging and progressive when it comes you know, aesthetically. Mm-hmm. And we want to work with clients that are willing to do that. So some, you know, so we'll end up working with, you know, Nike or Nickelodeon or, you know, um, other companies that want to do something that feels like new and fresh and totally. isn't necessarily something that is great but might be a rehashed sure. aesthetic. Uh, not that that's all that no. Portland does. I'm not saying right. that. It's just um, – and, and we're very conscious of that. We're very conscious of kind of like the 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 solar system that we exist within <laughs> and how to make yourself distinctive. You know, we want to be yeah. our own star. We don't want to like – I don't want to say, hey, I love what Always With Honor is doing. Let's be that. Let's, Let's do, do exactly that. Because a lot of people do that shit. A lot of people do And when you say stuff. we. On our last oh, episode. Go for it, man. Sorry. Oh, yeah. No, no. I was just saying, on an episode with uh, Josh Long, we were talking a lot about that, about carving out your own sort of personal stake, your own real estate, and finding that niche and how valuable that can be to just like having that for you. It's like, it just, uh, there's a ton of, ton of opportunity there to like be in a specific to sort of, not necessarily category, but yeah, yeah, you just like own it. You own that space. You know, that's you. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if we've done that yet. I think, I, but, um, but I think there's, yeah, it comes back to the beginning. Like hopefully there's an, there's an attitude and an ethos and, uh, a, and a kind of enthusiasm and excitement for making that people can sense from the work. And I think they can, I think people can see the work and be like, that person looks like they're excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, and um, quickly, when you say we, you're talking about the pressure, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the pressure, which is me, uh, Anton Pearson, and Ryan Bush, and um, Alan, who is uh, my girlfriend that works at Nike, but also helps with um, kind of operations and account management awesome. for the studio. And so that's, your, mm-hmm. that's the chapter you're on now, right? After after Nike, that's the, this? Yeah, after Nike, it was straight into... Um, full-time studio which was me working at my apartment at the window that i'm sitting at right now i can feel that too for you should get us a picture of that if you can i will yeah this is the the, context (laughs) it was this for about eight months and um wow 
I had brought Anton out here to sleep on the couch for, for a couple of weeks and work on projects and realized that he would be a good addition, but he was in New York and I didn't want to, you know, bring him out right away. I needed an intern, so I hollered at Ryan. Um, and now his, his position's kind of totally grown into something new and amazing. And, um, yeah, the three of us now have a shared studio space where we kind of take yeah. up half of the space inside of a shared uh, space. And it's in this amazing building called the Gatsby, which is this historic building downtown Portland. And we work with our friends Ryan and Garth and uh, Aaron, who all have different businesses. So we do our thing. They do their thing. Once in a while, the paths yep. cross. We have an open-door policy, so people kind of come in and say hi all the time. Sweet. We're underneath an amazing coffee shop called Barista, which is one of the best coffee shops in the, well, in sure, the nation. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And everyone's friends. We just have this fantastic community. The building is like it's like one of the, it's like a bunch of animals living in a tree where you have like squirrels and owls and you have snakes and bugs and everyone gets along and there's a bear. No one eats each other. You know, it's like wow. get along Vegetarian gang. Um, and that's what our building's like. <laughs> yeah, what a our, visual. What a visual that was. Uh, for real. It's what our, our building's like. We go up to the third floor and we pop into our friends and say hi and then our friends from the fourth floor will come down and say what up and we'll go get lunch Dude, and those are the owls floor, right bears come down hang with oh the owls yeah excuse me <laughs> yeah, Dude, yeah it's... so that's awesome uh trying to like bring this around that was an amazing story by the way well amazing just like an <laughs> awesome journey an awesome description of a path and when you you touched on carving out the niche for yourself and for the pressure a little earlier how do you think the journey that you took and your past and the things that you encountered contribute to exactly what that niche is. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know exactly yet. I know that there's places that I want to go uh, with the studio. I know that there's an idea that I want people to have when they think of the studio and think of me. Um, my and and I think that teaching honestly has a lot to do with this. The t the class that I teach. Uh, started as something that was primarily about relational design and collaborative and participatory design and creating structures around that. And now that's kind of become a foundation of it. And But it's very much about how to make things happen with people and mm -hmm. um, in a very practical and pragmatic way. Like, how do you publish a book? How do you find collaborators to make a product? How do you... Uh, start a video when you don't know how to do video, how to, you know, a video series on Vimeo. And a lot of it's about human beings and relationships. And I think that that idea of connection and being part of uh, a really great collaborative group or friends and having these kind of relationships. Yeah. Um, like I like people, I'm a very social person. And, and um, I think that that idea of, humans and connectedness as well as the DIY aspect of being able to just mm. make things happen on your own, having a kind of wide eyed view of creativity. Like when we were young, you know, 10 years ago and we were putting out albums cause we could, cause we wanted to, uh -huh. I still have that same enthusiasm. Like, right. Oh, yeah. Hey, we should make a book. Like we'll, we'll make a book. And then you make a book, right? <laughs> I mean, that's like creative democratization. It's just access to tools and resources. Boom, 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 man. It's a uh, wild, wild west out there. Pretty exciting. Let me ask you this, though. Um, you're talking about relationships and the network, and we talked about you going from Rhyme Sayers to 160 over 90 to Nike, all very, very cool jobs, um, it seems, at least. Um, and they're people who you still work with. And I'm wondering, how do you maintain those relationships? Like, how do you 
break up per se and then leave it at a point where it's like you can still work with these guys and it seems to be like really important probably to your business and to your like like ongoing work yeah um I guess, like, how do you, like, how did you end those relationships, and then how, how did you reignite the conversation, or, or when you, when you left, for example, when you left Rhymesayers and when you left 160, was it always part of the conversation that you were gonna, you would still be available to work on stuff, and you'd still like to collaborate in the future, or? Yeah, absolutely. I think what happens is during, I, I, I have a general outlook, and I know we touched touched on this during the last conversation. Like, I have a general outlook where. The lost um, files. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the grand piano yeah. file that didn't get. Yeah, we'll call that one the grand piano incident. Yeah. I mean, I like I like people. I like uh, I I generally um, give people the benefit of the doubt. I I don't know. I, I think that's part of my upbringing and part of yeah. the way that I was taught. I think a lot of people have that idea, but I'm not a client shamer. Um, yeah. I if I'm in a job no matter what it is it can be it can be bad uh if it's if it's for example if i'm working with a client that i cannot work with i'm going to say you know what i'm sorry i can't work with you it's not the way i work um maybe it's timing you know maybe it's me but it's not <laughs> going to work hopefully in the future we can cross paths again you know yeah. I, I think in general it's about communication it's about being strategic and deliberate with communication and I like people, so when I'm at 160, I might not like a few of the gigs that I'm on, but I know that there's things I'm going to learn from those, and mm-hmm. I'm going to learn all that I possibly can. And in general, I think that the people around me get the idea that I have a good attitude. You know, like yeah. I don't have a shitty attitude; I have a pretty good attitude about so. working. That's great. <laughs> and and hopefully, people like to work with me. And I think that's bottom line. Like it's the same reason that I'd want to hire someone. Like I'm not mm-hmm. going to hire someone that's. You can be the best designer in the world. Well, maybe not the best, but you can be a fantastic designer, and if you have a shitty attitude, like I'm not gonna right. want to be associated with you, you know. And and I think a lot of it comes down to attitude. Like we, I think we do good work. I, I think that pretty strategic when it comes to things, and um, and fun to work with, and we're excited about things, and enthusiastic, and it's, that's it, I guess. I'm, I'm yeah. about that, life, agree, man. Yeah. I'm about 100%. that. Like, it, well, that's what it comes down to, right? At the end of the day, like working with people who are awesome and who make you happier, and and doing good work with them. That is all that it really comes and down you to. You said it when you yeah. said it's all about attitude, man. And what is attitude but the product of our personal pasts and our journeys, right? Boom, boom. Oh, full circle. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. Oh, spinning around. Um. I think the last thing for me that I would just like to hear briefly about is you were talking about your your past, your journey through this stuff, going from these jobs, opening your own thing, which is a huge risk and whatever. But within all that, like you had to develop your skills and progress as an artist, as a designer, as a craftsman. How do you think – I don't know if it's like tips or just – I just like to hear about that, like how you keep yourself moving forward from a craft standpoint like how do you get, keep getting better um i don't know i, I thought about right. that a lot recently i mean right yeah. like right now in front of me there's there's three pages of drawing i've been drawing all morning just drawing these little glyphs and amulets and 
um, you know, pushing myself from that thing. So I think drawing and writing is a huge part of it. Writing helps, and, and reading, those help develop and solidify ideas, and those deal with, you know, synthesizing ideas, like um, putting things together and making new connections. Like, for me, that's that's writing and drawing. That's all that does. Mm-hmm. And um, as well as hopefully make your hand better. And if you show, show some of that stuff, clients might see and like it. Um, but as far as, you know, when it comes to, like, digital illustration, because we do a lot of digital illustration as well, um, mm-hmm. practice all the time. Like, if 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 I see something and I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting. I wonder how that effect could be reproduced. Uh, I will try to reproduce it. You right, know, like deconstructing no. something. Yeah, I mean, it's like school. It's constantly not that we're yeah. going to take it and use it in a project right away, but to understand how to do something mm-hmm. um, is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, like a couple couple year and a half ago, I decided that I wanted to learn Cinema 4D and got the program and over a weekend learned the foundation and that kind of became you weren't you know not necessarily a master at it by any means at all do no animation but like i understand how to create three-dimensional forms and i'm interested Mm -hmm. in three-dimensional forms that led to a whole new kind of work that we were doing um it's yeah it's it's just open-mindedness and trying all the time and not being afraid uh i think that keeps us going forward we also do these things like last week you know um i saw something on the creators project where this guy's like how to create two and a half d um 2.5 d yeah how to create how to create two and a half, 2.5 d uh like whatever and i used to do a lot of stuff in after effects uh-huh. and i hadn't haven't for a couple of years and he did this little tutorial and i tasked to anton and ryan i was like Hey, in two days we're all gonna we're gonna do this project. We have to relearn After Effects, all of us, because we all used to fuck with it and don't anymore. So we have to relearn After Effects and make this little like ten second clip, right? And everyone's like, "Oh no!" Including me, I thought it was gonna take <laughs> oh, me. No. I thought it was gonna take me two hours. It ended up taking me literally twelve or fourteen hours. Um, I stayed up all night, did it, and then we all got to share and talked about the process. And it was this crazy, invigorating thing where. Then we talked about the projects we could make from it and now projects coming from it that we're doing for the studio. So it's that kind of stuff, like just trying just trying things and learning. Learning. Yeah, learning. Um, there you go. Wow. I mean I should have wow. just said that. Well, learning, you bro. You did say it. <laughs> wow. You guys I, I cut out, but I think it you it seemed like you wrapped that up, oh, yeah. right? Cool. Oh, yeah. I'm so, go- so glad to hear it. I didn't hear the conclusion, but I bet it was a fucking great one. Also that uh I remember seeing that like mayan dude you like modeled out as a cool little project i mean it, you know what i'm talking about yeah that was uh that's kali she's hindi i'm for that like the, like shitty i mean with all due respect that shitty like crayon eight-year-old little sketch and then there's the, <laughs> the, the, the the beautifully 3d modeled thing yeah hey, i you... put that <laughs> yeah I yeah. put I put that sketch in there because it was so bad. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> it was awesome, man. Because <laughs> that was the sketch that for it. Awesome. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, that's how, well, you, hey. that's how you wrote. Did you explain what, what that half D was, by the way? I'm just, like, confused. What is 2.5D? Is that, like, animating one of those still photos? Uh, so, yeah, 2.5D, is it's not full 3D, you know, like <laughs> Cinema 4D. 4D. But it's yeah. an actual term that they've been using. I mean, it's it's where you create an idea of like parallax depth through what yeah. are two-dimensional layers yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. 
we actually use that. I think we use that for a project that like like animate basically making a photo seem three D kind of yeah. almost, and you're like moving through it. Yeah, very That's cool. Actually, we're, we're doing that with the documentary right now. They do it a yeah. lot with animation. There's a, a, mm-hmm. a ton of two and a half D animation um, out there. Let me throw this at you guys. What if we dove into the three point five D realm and just started fucking with three point five D? Like, let's start that trend. I think. I'm trying to figure out what. It what would it be like? You should read it. You should read a book called Spaceland. It'll if you are interested in you mention that every show, man. It's a. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll put in the show notes again Perfect. too. It's cool. Well, let me just. I'm just gonna throw this at you, Garcia. I wanna. I wanna like blow your mind for a second, okay? Great. Permission. Permission to blow your mind. I don't even need it because I'm going for it. So if you are, if you are a point, you're one D. You're like just a single point, your only concept is, like, forward. Like, you only have one concept of dimensionality. If you are a Flatlander, which is what that book actually was based on, a, a story called Flatland, um, you, have, you have two dimensions, and it's, like, you have, like, the forward, the back, and, like, you're just going two different ways. And, and up and down, I believe. Um, three-dimensional beings like us, you know, we have forward, back, up, down, and then the sides, you know, we can Three. go in all directions. But... The four-dimensional beings also, they have a concept of a direction that we can't even conceive of. And in this book, it's called Vin and Vout, um, which is, like, basically the equivalent of, like, forward and backward to a two-dimensional person. They wouldn't understand it, right? Because it's just, like, it's, like, it's not in their dimension. And that really, it stuck with me because it was, like, of course it doesn't make sense because we can't even conceive of it because it's just not, it's not even in our like we couldn't po- like we can't we can't conceive of it. Yeah, I I love it. Um I love think yeah. Boom. I I can't conceive of it. I would love to try to make a drawing of it. You but yeah, and it's it's impossible in our dimensions because we don't have we don't just don't have that. Like you couldn't possibly. It's like a direction that is like it doesn't exist but it also exists outside of our realm of thinking. You know what that reminds that reminds me of um I was thinking about this yesterday. Uh, the Salvador Dali painting oh, yeah. Corpus Hypercubus, which is one of I think my favorite paintings everywhere. I remember the first time I saw it, I couldn't fathom what I was looking at. Um, not because of the way he bent space or anything, or because it's particularly surreal. Because the shape of the hypercube that Salvador Dali creates that Christ is crucified upon in his painting is something that I'd never seen before when I was a kid. And I think he made it, I mean, he made it in like the fifties and he's playing with that idea of, I, I think just the, the idea of taking this particularly, you know, this religious icon that's been mm-hmm. around for millennia and mixing it with this idea of space and time and the hypercube and rendering a gorgeous painting out of it was so incredible. Um, I need to look into that. Show notes. Well, hey, you know where you can look we'll into it, it in is the show notes. notes. We'll put it in there. What a resource we are. <laughs> How kind. How generous. Well, I mean. Should we put a bow yeah. on this thing? I feel like let's. Like, this is a great conversation. <laughs> it, really was. it was just. Um, it was so great, man. And to hear it through the lens. It was. It was <laughs> I'm gushing a little bit. We're not being no, sarcastic. I'm, I'm all right. I know. It's, I you know the... to, but it was just like. Such I'm a blushing. Really, such a great story to view this like the lens of the conversation about journeys, it was just great to take this journey with you, I feel like. And Oh, and I got to say, I, I have faith. I have faith because, 
I mean, not just because you've been, you know, quote unquote successful in your past and, you know, things seem to be going well. It's just, man, I'm not worried about you. I'm, I'm excited to see where you are a year from now, three years from now. It's just like you, your work and you, it seems from what I, from, from what I've looked at and from what you've talked about, you've grown so much. And it's just like really exciting to see that. Like, it's just an upward curve, man. Uh, yeah, that's that's really great to hear, and and sometimes <laughs> I feel the opposite, and that's nice to hear from someone else. <laughs> I, I hear you, dude. Isn't that, isn't that part of it, though? Isn't that part of it? It's that self doubt. It's that it like God, it. never feeling like you're quite good enough. Well, hey, but you know again. what, man? Hey, you should feel you should feel like you are because you've done some pretty cool stuff. I appreciate and it. Thanks I appreciate again. it a lot, guys. Thanks. Hey, and we'll see you in Portland, right? <laughs> Please, man. I got you guys. Room and board. Let's All right, do it. We're holding you to that. Right, and, uh, and before we go, if if our listeners are still with us and if they're interested in learning more about <laughs> you, man, how could they do that? How could they follow you, get in touch with you, and see what you're working on? Plug it time. Plug. We got to yeah. get a sound effect for that. Well, I'll drop okay. one in. I feel like our listeners are going to be hearing some sort of sound effect. I'm going to just drop it in right now. And go. Yeah, uh, you can check check us out at thepressure.org, uh, T-H-E-P-R-E-S-S-U-R-E.org. Why did I spell it out? That's my segue to the spelling bee that we do once a month in Portland. It's the, uh, it's the, it's the third Monday of every month in Portland, Oregon at Dig a Pony. It's called the Amazing Stumptown Spelling Bee, hashtag AskB with DJ Anton. Me as your host, Alan is the judge. We were cash prizes sponsored by Old German. Check us out. It's a blast. Hilarity. Spelling. Speaking of spelling and words, you check out illustratedetymology.com. Yeah, I love words. Etymology is the history of words and the roots of words. Illustratedetymology.com. It's a cargo site with illustrators from all over, including Frank Shimero, Will Bryant, Beast. Dan Cassaro. A lot Beast. of the best. All uh, the beasts. <clears throat> all of the beasts. The owls um, from the fourth floor. The owls from the fourth <laughs> Yeezy's there. <laughs> Yo, Kanye West, Barack Obama, Vladimir Putin will, will be there. Can I get a? Can I do a plug for our new collaborative? Um, uh, we haven't really figured. Wait, it out Wait, hold up. Yet. No, you can't. Uh, first no, of no, all, no. Also, <laughs> I'm just it's joking. called. It's called a blast. It's a new thing. It's a new project I'm working on with Adam Garcia. It's we haven't really nailed down exactly what we it got is, the name. but it's gonna be cool, man. It's gonna be huge. It's like let's just say it's gonna be a blast. Yeah, a blast. You know what else I like? I like that it's like, a, if it's one word, it's like yeah, yeah. a blast. <laughs> it's one word. That's how we roll. It was, it was a blast. Um, Hopefully also, we'll have a website up by the time this, this podcast goes live. We'll have a blast.com. Dope. I'll follow up with you. A blast.st. Oh. All right, we interrupted you. This month. That's why you're involved, Adam. That's why you're involved. Because you bring that sort of thinking. So also twitter.com oh, slash Adam R. Garcia, uh, Instagram. The Adam, worst tweets, the worst Adam pictures. R. Garcia. I know, um, yeah, but if you, yeah, if, if you, if you hate, if you hate pictures and um, tweets, go follow Adam. They're the worst. Well, I disagree. I'm just kidding. If man. you want. On opposite day. If you want your mind blown with <laughs> daily affirmations, uh, if you want. <laughs> Motivational quotes. 2.5D imagery and, and animations. <laughs> if you want to see pictures of Portland dogs, if you want uh, to see... That actually does sound kind of nice. If, yeah, if you want to see stuff we're working on, if you want to see uh, pictures of us just looking cool, nice. check it out. 
And what's your home address if people want to come hang out and crash on your couch? I'm just kidding. P.O. Box uh, <laughs> yeah. 69420. Well, awesome. I got to say thanks again. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hey, you're the fucking man. This has uh, been about journeys, and uh, we're still on it. So let's get back to work. All right, guys. Yeah, have a good too. day. Yeah, yeah. Ship it. See ya. Thank you. Bye. Okay.